This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson, Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like any sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lay some up for some bees talk right now. I'm not gonna suck! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 99 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. We spoke a few weeks ago after the firing of Bruce Cassidy, and to this point, there haven't been any official changes in the Bruins organization. Bergeron technically hasn't re-signed, although it seems like it's all but a done deal. Sweeney's currently interviewing coaches, and the draft is you know weeks away, so he's unofficially as far as we know, it's going to be the GM. So we we do know, we just don't officially know because the Bruins haven't you know publicized it. Um, but I guess Bridget and Scott will just start with the the latest and greatest, which is uh, the the news that broke last night from Joe McDonald saying that um, Patrice Bergeron is um, likely to sign a one year extension with the Bruins. Yeah. So Joe McDonald's exact report is hearing Patrice Bergeron has decided to return, likely on a one year deal with the Bruins. Um, not shocking, obviously. Like I, I all along was truly 50, 50 on this. Like there were times where I'd swing a little more towards, I think he might come back. There are times I swung towards, I think he might retire, but like it, and, and that seems to be a pretty common feeling. Like I don't, I don't know anyone from the time the season ended who was like, you know, or anyone in the know, I should say, who was like convinced he's coming back, like, oh, you know, he'll definitely come back. He just needs time or was absolutely convinced he was retiring. Like there, there seemed to be some legitimate uncertainty there. And I think he needed some time to make a decision. Um, As you said, still nothing official, no announcement or whatever. Um, Presumably that's because they still have to figure out the contract and, and, you know, get that all finalized. Um, But yeah, it's, it, this was with all due respect to, you know, a coaching change or what did or didn't happen with Don Sweeney, the GM, like this was the domino that was ultimately going to determine where the soft season went, no matter who the GM or coach was like, if Bergeron retires, you're going down a very different path than if he returns. So now, you know, this, and, and you know, it, that he's back, you know, assuming this report's correct. And I, I have no reason to, to doubt Joey Mack, like he's he's plugged in. I trust him. 
Um, so now you know, and, and you have time to prepare for the draft, prepare for free agency with the the understanding that Bergeron is, is back for at least one more season. And to me, that means that, you know, you're, you're trying to compete again this year. Like there may still be an element of incorporating younger guys. And I think there should be, uh, but you're not tearing anything down. You're not rebuilding. You are not even like going into a 2015, 16 type retool because you know, when you went through that, you knew you at least had your core guys on the other side of that in, for the years to come. Like, you don't have three or four more years of Bergeron. So you're, you should be trying to win now. Uh, and I think that that's kind of what this decision from Bergeron uh, sets Sweeney up to at least try to do. Yeah, it ends the Nazem Kadri conversation, doesn't it? It, I mean, we had been talking about hypotheticals where they would be able to find a number one or two center um, in this offseason and free agency. And now, like, that conversation, if if all goes well with um, negotiating this contract with Bergeron um, and his decision is truly to stay, that conversation, we don't, we don't have to have where you're going to get that next number one or number two center this year, um, it kind of allows the organization a little bit more time. Like he's doing them a solid in multiple ways, but even just in terms of finding the solution to what will happen when he's gone, it gives them that extra year to try to not just have to go pretty much blow everything up. Like there's a chance that now they're able to find someone that could step in for him they just have a little bit of extra time for it yeah i think what this does is it and you know i i was in the same boat as scott i always kind of thought he was coming back I, more so because i just didn't see i didn't see that being it for patrice bergeron just the way it kind of all went down and i don't know but i was a little skeptical when when cassidy was fired because i was like well maybe they're just trying to clean house and just start start fresh and re- rebuild a little bit which I, I was not sure, but so he does come back, and what what that does is it allows them to bridge the gap and stay competitive until they get their first round picks back in twenty three and twenty four. And you know, if if Bergeron didn't come back, I just I wouldn't see the point in that. With all the injuries they have to start the year, and you know, there's arguments between fans about how long these guys will be out. Some say January, some say November. Some people are like, oh, it's only going to be ten games. So whatever, I don't really know what it's going to be, but. If you have those key guys out and you have no Patrice Bergeron, you know, I didn't really see the point in spending on a guy in free agency and giving him seven years um, to try to stop the bleeding a little bit. Just, you know, let it just let it kind of be for the year. Um, but Bergeron does seem to be coming back. So um, it helps them stay competitive now. Now, you know, the one thing about the NHL nowadays is with the salary cap the way that it is, it's designed so that the top teams can't stay on top for long. And the bottom teams ideally shouldn't stay in the cellar for long. Like, everybody is supposed to kind of be able to have quick turnarounds. Like, rebuilds shouldn't take as long as they once used to. And that that's that's true for— The Buffalo Sabres have checked in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, don't, don't get me wrong. Oh, I'm, my beer. I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying teams haven't been rebuilding for long. I'm just saying 
the system is in place where it's designed that they're not supposed to. Yeah. And that and that's 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 true for the the middling teams too. Like if you're if you're if you're an average to above, above average team or whatever, you know, you're only a you're, you're always only like a piece or two away if you're competitive. So even if the Bruins did have um, a really down year, like because of the way that the league is nowadays, like it, it they would have to hit on a couple draft picks, but it wouldn't be forever. Now when when Bergeron hadn't decided to come back yet. I think the argument amongst fans was, you know, do they tank or do they just take a step back? But with this latest news, neither of those are even options now. You're not taking even a little, you're not, not only are you not rebuilding this year, you're not even taking a small step back with Bergeron. You, you are now focused on trying to win the Stanley Cup again. Now, we can sit here all day and talk about if they're good enough to do that or what they have to do to do that. And I guess that's kind of what we're going to do here. But so now you're looking at a team with, you're bringing back pretty much the same. So far, you, you're, you're pretty much bringing back the same team, different coach, but you have a couple of key injuries to start, and you have barely no cap space. So, but you do have a couple of young prospects. We expect to make those steps this year. I, I would ex- fully expect Fabian Lysel to be in the mix this year as a, t- as a as a top six forward at some point, and we'll see about Lori later in the year after college. I don't know, but I guess if to to pose a question to you guys now that we. Are pretty certain Bergeron's coming back. If you are Don Sweeney, how do you you can't run back the same team because that same team wasn't good enough to get out of the first round. You have to be better than last year. So let's go make some magic. Yeah, like in in some ways, it's you know the obviously Bergeron returning makes Sweeney's off season easier, makes his decisions easier. You know, as we've said, he doesn't have to make those hard calls about retool versus rebuild versus selling off pieces and which pieces by the way the cap like you are going to have to give up a lot of cap space to someone like nazim kadri if you really wanted to do a replacement like try to find a replacement for that in this offseason so it saves them a lot of cap space theoretically well yes but they still need to free up cap space because they still need to sweeney still has to find a way to make this team better like if if he and I Cam- should I should rephrase that. It gives them more cap space to work with on another position. <laughs> like it, yeah. it can now go towards something besides a center, uh, a number well, one or two center. Yeah, I mean, I think that it might still have to be a center though. Like I, I'm, I mean, Eric Holla did fine overall, not so well in the playoffs. Like I would not trust him. Uh, I would not be thrilled if they went into the season and their full year plan was Eric Hall's the number two center. Like, I I don't know if what we saw last year is going to be sustainable. It wasn't sustainable in the playoffs. Like he, he kind of wilted in in that role. Um, So I I think, you know, center is, I'm not saying like you 100% absolutely need to go get a top two center, but I still feel like that should be a priority to me. It's that and in a scoring wing, whether that's, the top six guy or a third liner, like those are still the two areas that I'm looking at. And you might only be able to get one, but like that's, you know, uh, uh, scoring depth was once again, their downfall in the playoffs. So that has to be what you're looking at. Um, and to, you know, to Brian, to the point that we're touching on, like right now they don't have much money to do that. They, even before Bergeron's deal goes on the books, they only have a little over $3 million in cap space. That is 
not a lot of money to, to do anything with. And Bergeron, unless he takes like a super unbelievable team friendly deal, like a million dollars, Bergeron's probably going to take up all of that and and possibly more. Like you might have to, you know, clear out when it's all said and done, clear out some salary, uh, even just to get Bergeron in. So you look at, you know, where can they free up salaries so they can, they can buy out Nick Felino and save $1.9 million this year. It would also carry over a $900,000 cap hit to next season. You could also bury Felino in the minors like they did with Chris Wagner this past year. Um, that saves $1.1 million. So it doesn't save quite as much money, but saves you from that cap hit carrying over next year as well. Um, you know, we've all talked about the possibility of trading in defensemen. Uh, under normal circumstances, I would say Matt Grizzlick, Mike Riley are, are very tradable contracts. Like there are definitely teams that'd be interested in taking those on. Um, but both underwent offseason surgery and Riley should be back for the start of the season. Grizzlick is probably going to miss a month. So that complicates, complicates that on both fronts because teams generally don't love trading for guys coming off surgeries until they get a chance to see them on the ice. Um, and it all, you know, McAvoy is also out for the first two months. So you, you're much thinner on, you know, the Bruins have eight defensemen on NHL contracts and, you know, and then plus like a guy like Jack Ashan who might be ready to play at this level. So like that's nine guys you could use, but two of them, McAvoy and Grizzly are out to start the year. So suddenly you don't look as deep back there as, as you might've thought, um, but I think I think that should still be on the table. I think if you know if you trade a Grizzlick or a Riley or or even a Forboard if someone's interested, like you can survive that first month or two that you're a little shorthanded on the back end. Um, you're going to be shorthanded up front with Marshand out as well. So you know those first that first month or two of the season is very much just going to be you know just hang around like just don't fall out of the playoff picture just just kind of tread water until people come back. Yeah, and, and let me throw something else at you guys, too. Not only does Don Sweeney have all these obstacles to to figure out um, before before puck drop this year to, to give them a competitive team to have Stanley Cup aspirations, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of many, um, they're going to need to be uh, Stanley Cup caliber out of the gate because, um, well, you know, not out of the gate, but like if their whole roster was healthy, because they don't have a trade deadline this year, in my opinion. I don't think you can go to the trade deadline this year and spend another first rounder this year to go all in. You can't keep fucking giving away first round picks. You can't keep doing it. If you want to give away, a, you know, if you want to trade a third or a second for a depth guy, look, f- fine. You keep giving away first-round picks, you're crippling your organization because you can only have one team win a cup every year. As we've learned this year in the playoffs, like there were a lot of great teams that had cup hopes, and they're sitting at home right now like the Bruins are. But they had deeper runs, but only one team can win. So it's like it's 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 a weird situation because like you want you're you're running it back with Bergeron, uh, and you know. For the obvious reason, if you're run, if Bergeron's coming back, you're not rebuilding. So if you're not rebuilding, what's the goal? To win a cup, but you can't, you can't. And and most cup teams use the deadline to to bolster their roster in one area or another, and they're willing to give away first round picks as the Bruins have been clearly willing to do for a while now. 
You can't keep doing it. You cannot keep doing it. So I don't know how you guys well, feel about that. I would say that the one situation where I would be okay doing it is if it's something like this past year where you're adding a true impact player at a position in need and signing him to a longer term deal. Like I am totally okay with giving up a first round pick for Hampus Lindholm. I would be totally okay with giving up a first round pick for a top two center. Uh, you know, say you don't address that this off season and you get going into the year and maybe, you know, Eric Hall isn't playing as well. And that's an area you need to address. And someone is available for, a, you know, a price that makes sense and it includes a first round pick. Then I'm fine with that. Um, I'd I agree. Be fine. I'd be fine with that this off season. If you have to trade next next year's first round pick to get someone like that this off season, like there's just this week, there's been rumors that um, you know Pierre Luc Dubois may not be super interested in signing a long term deal with the Jets. Now, if you were going to trade for him, you'd have to make sure that he is interested in signing a long term deal with you. You know, you're not. You're not, he's a restricted free agent. You're not trading first round pick and a top prospect to get Dubois and then, you know, only sign him to like a bridge deal or something. You you can't do that. But that's that's one area where I'd be okay with it because it's like, well, all right, what do you what are you hoping to get with that first round pick? Well, part of it, you know, would be your future first or second center, which you're obviously still looking for. So if I can use that to get someone who's already proven they can be that in the NHL, then then I'm fine with it. Yeah, I agree with Scott on that being an acceptable situation where you would trade a first rounder here in this upcoming season uh, before the deadline or like Scott said um, later on, but only because you know Bergeron is, you know, got one to two years left. And we're going to be having the same conversation next off season. And you, you, <laughs> which one of the, one of the things we were talking about before today, before we really heard any news about whether or not Bergeron was coming back was just how poorly the Bruins organization had been set up to fill his shoes. Um, if he left in the center position. So you're solving that problem for, you know, a longer term guy that you're able to get for, four or more years like you're you're doing that um i i think that you would do that brian obviously your point's valid like you you have a good point in that they're completely you know they've had to deplete their first round draft picks and that's not usually a recipe for a success obviously you that is not preferable but um if you're filling that first or second line center role and the opportunity is there and you know you got someone you like you kind of just have to pull the trigger do you do you guys? I hear you, I hear what you guys are saying, and I, I don't disagree with that necessarily. I also think that if the Bruins' plan is to, you know, keep pushing off until tomorrow with that, until the Don Sweeney era is over, and because they don't really trust Don in that situation anyway, then I don't know. Maybe you guys, you guys realize the last center the Bruins have really developed to an NHL player is David Krejci. You guys realize that, right? Yeah. It's imbe- it's on- it's been a little bit. It's it, been a little bit <laughs> from a from a from a business perspective uh, to watch an organization who has scouts on payroll and GMs on payroll and it, it's embarrassing. It's like as a fan of the sport, honestly, guys, like it's it, the Bruins are putrid to watch as far as you know developing from the ground up. Like it, it, 
don't know. Like, like the on-ice product has been good in the NHL because, like, you're able to bring in guys from draft and, and – and, I'm not draft, out free agency and trade, whatever. And you've had you've had the core pieces in Bergeron and Krejci up the middle for so long. But, I mean, the fact that David Krejci, who was drafted in 2006, I want to say, or 2005 or whatever it was, it's like he's the last sign of the Bruins have drafted that have they've developed into an NHL player. For, for real. That, that That's a true statement. Like, you can sit there and say, okay, there's been a guy who's played center on the fourth line for a couple games. What That's not my point. Trent Frederick is not my point. You know, so it's just, it, it, it's very, very frustrating to just continue to hear excuses and, and, and scenarios as to why the Bruins don't have to do the dirty work in, in, in draft and develop their own players and just try to, you know, continue to find ways to put a Band-Aid on it and just live to see tomorrow. Um, because at the end of the day, guys, it's, it's, it's led them to one cup in the last... Oh, geez, fit close to 50 years now, 50, 50 years, right? 51 years, 50 years. And, and, and let me remind you that that one cup that they did win was predicated on the back of drafting and developing key players over the course of, you know, five to six years. I mean, Bergeron, Krejci, Lucic, um, you know, Kessel, who helped you get, you know, trades later on, um, you know. So, I don't know. It's just you can't you can't win by avoiding doing the dirty work from the ground up. I mean— to an, to an extent. That's my opinion. Um, if, if you're telling me that they can package a first-round pick and a couple other things to get a Pierre-Luc Dubois, which, you know, even that, it's like, okay, I'll believe that when I see it. If that helps you get a top-two center to get you through the Sweeney era, and then you get a you get a true GM that can develop, draft and develop after that for those picks, fine, I, I guess. But I don't know. It's just a, I, There's a lot of wishful thinking, a lot of wishful scenarios in, in – in Bruins Nation, where it's just like, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it, honestly. Now, as, as it pertains to this year, you know, I don't know. Do they have a handshake agreement to bring back Krejci or something like that for short money? And, and there's, there's a quick solve right there. You know, Krejci, Bergeron, run it back. It's it's, 2000, it's 2010 again. <laughs> run it well, back. That, I mean, wouldn't that just be ideal? But, <laughs> by the way, Brian, the Krejci draft was 2004, uh, back when I was 10 years old and wow. you know, 18 years ago. So, yeah, it's been a while. It's It's been a little while. <laughs> it's been a long time, guys. That's, yeah. That is and, and brutal. I, mean, I guess, like, uh, you know, obviously developing, like, a high-end center wasn't as pressing when you had Bergeron and Krejci through their primes and you had both signed on long-term deals. Like, under, I get that. But it, it does make – you know, hate to keep coming back to it, but it makes the 2015 draft like even more baffling because that came at a point where you knew Bergeron and Krejci, while they're still in their primes then, were getting towards the end of their primes, were getting older. Like you knew there was an expiration date not that far on the horizon. And you have those three picks and you have a center sitting there in Barzell who, you know, everyone had ranked higher than that. And to not draft him, it was just, it was so baffling. Like, it, it never it never mind just Barzell, but to not draft a center. Like, they had those three picks, they didn't draft a center. It's it's like, it's still, still just mind-boggling. And, and, that, and, like, that, and that came, Scott, like, it, the Bruins front office with this shit is, they're, they're so, their heads are so far up their ass, like, and they just seem, like, so stubborn and with, with, with this stuff because it's like, like, you can you, you can date this back to. Do you remember when the Bruins won the Cup in '11, and the following year they you know Horton was injured and they they got upset in the first round, but then they go back to the finals and then the next year they win the President's Trophy and it's just like, you know they were built for so long, 
they they had a chance to be built for so long. Um, and, you know, they traded away Sagan. And I'm not trying to bring this back to the Sagan trade, but it's like he – and he's he's regressed and he's had injury issues. But in the five years after they traded Sagan, he was, he was like a top 10, 15 forward in the NHL, and he was a center. And it's like they had no issues shipping away <laughs> an elite – center that was only in their system for two and a half years when you look back at it and then like you just said in 15 like they think that they that they're that they're they don't have to do this that they don't have to draft and develop centers because they've been blessed with Bergeron and they've been blessed with Krejci but it's like guys like you can't just you can't just ignore tomorrow because you're so focused on today you, you have to be aware of like the future and like I'm not saying if look if, if it's 2012 2013 like I'm not saying you should be drafting a center in the first round, but when Bergeron and Krejci started to hit their early mid-30s and draft after draft, like, they just either drafted just the wrong guy, like, with the wrong intentions, like a Trent Frederick, or, you know, like, to be a center in the first round, or, you know, you mentioned the 15 draft, and it's, you know, I... Well, Extension, well, <laughs> who they went with over Barzal, and the pick before. Look, and... We'll pull our hair out, you know, talking about these drafts, and I'm sure the listeners are probably puking on the side of the road because, you know, they're yeah. It's too much to talk I mean, about. But. Like you said, like like it's not like they have tried at times, but like Trent Frederick was never going to be a top six center. They kind of accidentally admitted that on draft night when, uh, you know, one of someone in the front office said like he'll be a really solid third liner. Um, you know, I think. Jack Stanika for a while looked like a really good second round pick. And I think they and, and many other people thought he'd be ahead of where he is now. Well, they don't um, fucking give him any chances. His his development has plateaued. Well, he hasn't gotten a ton of chances in the NHL, but he also, for the, I'd say the last two years, has not made the most of his time in the AHL either. Uh, they spent a first round pick in Johnny Beecher. It, it was a reach. It's n- not, you know, who I would have taken at that point. But, like, they tried. They saw his raw skill and talent. Um, but he hasn't developed offensively enough to, you know, I don't think he's really ever going to sniff a top six role in the NHL. Um, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, like, yes, it's tough to it's tough to draft a high-end center when you're constantly trying to compete for a Stanley Cup. You're trading away some picks. You're picking late in the first round you know, all understood, all valid points. But at the same time, it's like you've had time. Bergeron and Krejci getting older is not a surprise. They didn't blindside you. Like, that's been coming for years and years. And to be so kind of woefully unprepared for the end of this era, whenever it is, uh, is, you know, it just looks, looks really bad. And... You know, did, look, Sweeney signed uh, the the kid Georgi Markulov out of Ohio State uh, this spring. I, I think he has top six potential. I think it's probably going to be at least a year or two until we might see it at the NHL level. Like, he's still a little bit of a raw player. He was only a freshman, um, an older freshman, but still, like, he doesn't have he doesn't have a ton of time at playing at a high level in North America. So, you know, you you don't rush him. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's like none of these other guys are have that top six upside. I I like Mark McLaughlin, but I think he's probably a third liner at best. Like that's 
you have a bunch of those guys, but it's that high-end talent that they are so obviously lacking, especially at the center position. Yeah, and the reason why, I mean, we're not just talking about the 2015 draft to, like, beat a dead horse. The reason why it it always comes back to that is because, you know, they haven't come up with a better um, a better option at center to replace Krejci or Bergeron. And because it was just such a no-brainer, if you, like, you have three first-round draft picks in a row with Barzell still on the board, and you don't pick a center, and you, and, like, now, even in hindsight, knowing how, absolutely you know great Barzal is in the NHL it just makes it look that much worse so it's it's just it always comes back to it just because like nine out of ten GMs would have picked Barzal with 13 14 or 15 overall it doesn't it it really was a no-brainer and like any of us would have would have picked Barzal like not not Zach Senshin uh sorry but like it and like I I don't want to like over oversell Barzal either like I I think it's still to be determined if he's like a true franchise number one center and a great team. Um, but I do think at the very least he's shown that he's a very good number two center on, on a really good team. Like he's, he's still a guy you'd like to have. I mean, yeah. Look, I mean, yeah. you'd have him there. If you think about it, you'd have him there instead of Eric Halla. like you, you, that's where the Bruins would be I mean, right now. Guys, all, all you can do at, at, at the draft is essentially you gotta, you gotta draft the best players available and hope they pan out. I mean, if, exactly. they don't, if they don't pan out, then you know nobody's gonna demonize you. If if Matt Barzell, you know, went on to be an absolute bust, but he was ranked where he was in North America, uh, you know, Central Scouting, or whatever, and everybody had him on the same spot, and you take him there, are people gonna be calling Sports Radio, being like, you know what, the Bruins, the Bruins shouldn't have picked that kid who was ranked tenth because they should have, because he's a bust, and they should have looked for character. And, and, and no, 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 no. You only demonize teams when they do something that most people wouldn't do. And and the problem with the Bruins is, it's not just that they're they're missing on talent in the draft. And and again, I've said it a million times. I know people will sit there and say, yeah, but they're always drafting late late rounds and they're giving away first round picks because they're competitive. That's the price of staying competitive, guys. I get it. I'm not an idiot. I understand how I understand how it works. But what I'm telling you is that the the best of the best, and this includes the Bruins in 2011, before you win a cup, you hit on the non-obvious picks. You hit in the later rounds and you hit in the late late picks in, in the first round. Like and that's when your scouting scouting team comes into play and, and just having the, the right people in place. So like you don't just win cups by getting top ten picks. Like you have to hit later on. But so not only are the Bruins missing acquiring talent in the draft and developing them, what that does is it forces them to to try to fix that problem elsewhere. So, okay, we haven't drafted and developed really that well at all um, in the last, you know, decade. So what are we going to do? Well, we have to go out and buy it or we have to go out and trade for it. And what that ends up doing is you start overpaying for guys and you give them longer deals and whatever. And you end up making a bunch of decisions in an offseason going into a season that you think is best for the team. Some work out, some don't. And then what happens is the following year, you're going into the next season saying, how do we how do we how do we fix this that we tried to do last year that didn't work out like a Nick Foligno and it's just constant constant just trying to you know put the you know plug the hole or or, or put the put a put a bandaid on it and it's just like and that's to me what I feel like is gonna happen right now I feel like I feel like because Bergeron's coming back and I love that Bergeron's coming back on in face value but because they're but because now they have to stay competitive for this year and try to win a cup I I fear that they're gonna make some pretty dumb decisions that are going to handcuff this team going forward. And 
I just don't trust I don't trust this management at all to make these well, decisions. Unfortunately, I think like what really handcuffs them for this season was what happened last year. Like the fact that, you know, everyone you signed last year was a two or three year deal always meant you were going to be cap strapped this off season. So you're basically making like a two year bet on all those veterans that they brought in last year and it didn't work. And like, now you're, you're either stuck with those guys or you're, you know, buying out of Felino or you're trying to trade away guys to free up salary. And it's like, that's, you know, that's not ideal. Like you, like you don't, you don't want to miss on miss. It's one thing to miss on a mistake that costs you, you know, for a year, but when it carries over to a second season and like, would anyone be totally shocked if they basically do just roll back the same team and like the one big change was just the coach? Like I would not be shocked by that. And that's, that's so concerning. Cause it's like, you know, we, we heard from Sweeney and Neely about how, you know, they want to play a little bit different style and they think, you know, there might be ways to generate more five on five offense. And it's like, yeah, the, the, sure. There's truth to that. Like you can absolutely find a new coach who comes in, implements a different system and style and potentially gets a little more offense. But yeah, that's possible. But that still doesn't solve the problem that like this roster certainly doesn't look good enough to win, win a Stanley Cup. Like, I'm sorry, like Thomas Nosek and Nick Felino didn't combine for what, like two goals in the second half of the season uh, because of the system they were playing. Like that's, that was just two guys who just weren't really capable of scoring. Like their, their games just weren't there. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Y- y- you hope that if, if Sweeney is able to find ways to free up salary, that you learn the lesson from last season and instead of, you know, swapping out like extra parts at the bottom of the roster, you use whatever money you, you can scrounge together and you actually get an impact player, something that's more of a sure bet. And like, you know, if you want to incorporate young players, do that at the bottom of your roster. Like that's, you know, I don't, I don't need to see like, they should be doing. Yeah. Like you give, you know, your Mark McLaughlin's or Oscar Steen's or whoever, like give those guys a chance on the fourth line, let them figure it out. Right. They make some mistakes. If you have some games where your fourth line gets buried in their own zone, like, okay. Yeah. You're going to have to live with that. That's going to happen with young players. Um, you know, and pretty but th- much this whole season, with some exceptions, their fourth line was not rookie guys that were coming up. Like their fourth line, like the Bruins' fourth line was like Felino, Nosek, Lazar. Like it, they weren't really getting to give these guys a solid chance this past season. Right. Yeah, and, and like that fourth line, whatever else you want to say about it, like at least they, they didn't get scored on a ton. Like they didn't give up a lot, which is kind of like all right, if your fourth line can at least do that, you're kind of okay with it, but you're just not okay with it spending the money that you spent on it. Like, okay, so a a younger fourth line, yeah, might give up more goals against, but you work with them, you spend the season developing them, and you hope that by the end that they are, you know, good enough at that, that they've learned enough defense to to not, you know, get exposed that way. Um, Because as far as, like, impact – you know, obviously the, the easiest way just from a salary perspective to add to a roster is with young guys because they're so cheap. But the only one who, you know, really looks like he would have a chance at 
making an impact high on the lineup, obviously, is Fabian Lysel. And they're not they're not going to rush his development. Like if he, if look, if he's ready, if he blows people away in training camp and preseason, awesome. But if he needs time in Providence, like they're going to give him time in Providence, even if the top six is struggling at the NHL level, even if, you know, guys are banged up and you, you know, you think you need some sort of spark, like they're not going to force him into the lineup before he's ready. Um, I think, you know, realistically the best case scenario, I think Brian mentioned this earlier is something like, Pasternak's rookie year where he gets some time in the AHL gets called up maybe 20, 30 games in and, and runs with it. Like that would be ideal. Um, we'll see though. It's possible. He needs the whole year in Providence. Like we, we just don't know until he actually gets out there and starts doing it. I mean, if they guys, if they want to be any better than they were last year, that has to happen. That has to happen you, because we've talked- but to answer the question though. I wouldn't be completely surprised if this, if they don't really do too much and they just I just don't I I wouldn't be completely shocked I don't really uh, their, their their answer was oh guess what we added Hampus Lindholm like at the deadline there you go different team this year I don't really want them to do that much because I don't think they're good enough to win a cup like if, if you can't tell by like kind of how I've been how I've been discussing so far like like Bergeron or no Bergeron, I watch the teams that are playing right now. I'm watching Tampa. I'm watching Colorado. Guys, the Bruins are not even close to them up and down the lineup. Like obviously the you know their top the Bruins top guys are on that level for the most part. But even Kale McCarr, I mean guys, Kale McCarr the way he plays the game like, it, I Charlie McAvoy is a, one of my favorite players I've ever watched, and 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 you know Kale McCarr is clearly a special skater. I mean the way McCarr just like. Does pirouettes and, and 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 gain separation from the top players in the league trying to forecheck him? It's like it's it's insane. I mean, even Colorado's top players are like kind of crazy. Now, obviously, McAvoy is better at um, some more defensive metrics probably than McCarr. Yeah, but regardless- well, there's no there no other team in the league has a Kel McCarr, and the closest comparison people make to Kel McCarr is Bobby Orr. So <laughs> you're not finding one of those every no. once in a while. And I'm glad but, we went to UMass, but but it's beyond but it's beyond McCarr and McKinnon. Like you. If you watch the speed at which these teams are playing at, more so Colorado, because I think I think they have shown they're much faster than Tampa, which is even crazy to say. But like you watch like a JT Comfer or a um, you know what was, what was his name Logan O'Connor and just like you know um, like Burakovsky and Natushkin and like none of these players are like you know reinventing the wheel, but like they, as a team, these play these teams just play so fast. And I'm telling you right now, based on the personnel, the Bruins aren't there. I don't care if you have. Bergeron, Martian, and McAvoy all healthy to start the season. The Bruins aren't there. They weren't there last year. So, like, I I, I really do believe that the Bruins, I've been saying it, if they really want to get back to the promised land, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that they have to be willing to take a step back to take a bunch of steps forward. And that means you to, to, to put their allowance on hold for a year. Stop paying for shit. Just, like, buy some guys out and just let the roster be what it is for a year. But they won't do it because there's pressure to, from the Jacobs to get where they have to be, and the, and, and they're too stubborn to admit, yeah, we're not there yet. But we can we can get there though if we you know make this move and that move. But no, you can't because your roster's not there. I'm telling you, it's not there. Like it's the the speed at, the, at that which they play is 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 it's not good enough right now. And and they were in in 19 it was. Now in 19 they played a Blues team that wasn't that fast, but. The Bruins in 19 were faster than they are now. 
like you had you had a Marcus Johansson instead of a Nick Foligno. You had a Dan Heinen instead of a Trent Frederick. Like the Bruins were a quicker team back then, in my opinion, than they were now. So they've even taken a step back in that regard. Um, I just don't think their roster is there. If I'm being brutally honest, and and it sucks to say because like I want them to win a cup, and I I want to say yeah, Bergeron's back. Like they got a chance. No, they had him last year, and. They weren't good enough, and and it's not Bergeron's fault. I'm telling you, the roster makeup wasn't there. And you can sit there and say they got they had 100 plus points. I get it. Trust me, I know the difference between a playoff winning team and a regular season team because there's a lot of good regular season teams. Um, I just, I just don't. I, I what I fear is that the Bruins are just gonna. I want them to either get better or get worse, and I think they're gonna stay the same. I guess is the long way I can say it because I don't see them. I don't, they're not committing enough one way or another to get better or worse. They're just riding it out. And to the Fabian Lysel point, Scott, the only way that they can get better by not doing really much of anything is by hoping that – actually, not hoping, planning that he, by December or whatever, is on the Bruins and in a top-six role. If he's not, then they're gonna be, we're going to be having the same conversation on June 24, 2023, if the podcast is still going. Well, yeah, and and to your point, and to your well, we're at episode ninety nine. We got to make it to one hundred, guys. Um, it should be. I mean, if we get a coaching decision coming down soon, it'll be sooner rather than later. We'll make it all the way to one hundred, and we need we need the originals on the hundredth episode. We got to get Ken and Kalman. But um, to to your point, I'm I'm okay with just upgrading that third line left wing with a small move not not using frederick there like frederick is not he's not the guy he's not a guy that makes your team faster he's very inconsistent he doesn't seem to be getting the messaging he's a guy that was in and out of the lineup just you know healthy scratched um if they make a small move i'm okay with it being at left wing and trying to do something else with frederick yeah and at the very least you can't have frederick and felino as your third and fourth left wings like that's just that's two guys who are too slow one of them you can you can survive with um the speed thing i i think it's a little overrated because one i don't think the bruins are a slow team or a bad team bad no and frederick frederick isn't slow frederick isn't slow but it's just he's a different kind of player than what you're talking about. We're talking about like a fast left wing that like, that's not really his necessarily his role. No, but like, I think the, yeah, they're not the avalanche, but I think the Bruins are actually a pretty good skating team. Like I think they have some speedy wings. I think their defense is very mobile. Um, Yeah. Bergeron is not the fleetest of foot. If Krejci came back, then your top two centers are definitely not, but you, you had some good teams for a long time with those two never being elite skaters. Um, you know, it, look, it, yeah, if you if only one of Frederick or Foligno is in and the replacement on the left side has more speed, there's an upgrade. If Fabian Lysel comes into your lineup and plays regularly in, a, you know, I'll say a, a top nine role because I won't totally rule out, you know, him being on the third line at some point, uh, there's a speed upgrade. Like, that. that kid is all speed. Um, it's, it's everything else that, you know, he's going to have to work on, but, uh, you know, and the fastest team doesn't always win. We've seen plenty of years where teams figure out a way to knock out the fast team. Like there's a reason why, you know, this is the first time the apps have gotten this far, um, because it's, 
you know, there are ways to combat speed. And I even thought at, at points this season that the Bruins actually, like, the Bruins had that game on, um, was it in January, February, where they smoked the avalanche. And, like, I know, you know, regular season versus playoffs, different things. But, like, they had no problem with the half speed that night. They had other games where they handled speed. They, they also had games where they struggled with it. You know, there was a Toronto game where they clearly struggled with speed. Like, it's speed is obviously a major X factor and can be a deciding factor, but it doesn't – the fastest team doesn't always win. The, the Maple Leafs have been one of the fastest teams for years, and they have not won a playoff series. Yeah, and, and so just to kind of change – not not completely, but um, so Scott, you tweeted this morning, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the Bruins, you know, Bergeron's coming back. And then you said all Don Sweeney has to do now is hire a new coach, get that Pasternak extension and figure out how to improve a flawed roster. So we've talked about the flawed roster, but co- we still haven't touched on the coaching situation or the, the Pasternak extension. So, I mean, there's still so much for him to have to do in this off season. Yeah. And, you know, so on Pasternak, they technically by the, the laws of the NHL, they can't talk until July anyways, until um, basically until Pasternak is one year out from his contract expiring. That's when you can uh, extend contracts with players. So they will talk in July, and I know, I mean, there was like that, there's the odd report from Fluto about like Poznak being unhappy with the way he saw uh, Krejci and Krug treated. But other than that, there's been, there's been no indication that like Poznak is unwilling to sign an extension here. And in fact, there was pushback after that from, uh, from his agent specifically saying like, we don't know where that's coming from. We're planning to talk to Sweeney. We've had a good relationship with them. Um, and I would also say, like, you don't – no player is ever going to love every decision that a GM makes. So, you know – And by the way, those were, like, his two big brothers. Like, Krug and him were tight, yeah. and Krejci was, like, his – was his idol. So, yeah, you're going to you're yeah. gonna take those guys' sides. And also, like, honestly, the Krejci stuff, I don't – I don't even know like, exactly what that's referring to because the Bruins had like a totally open door to Krejci. Like they didn't push him out or anything. I, as far as I know, they never like lowballed him. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if it's just, you know, they didn't give him good enough wings or whatever. Like maybe that's it, but. They got I, him Taylor Hall. Come on guys. Yeah. 10 years after, uh, you know, Horton left him. <laughs> I mean, come on, like, yeah, if, well, if, if you I, look at the winners I, that Krejci played with from 2000 and whatever, call it 15 to to 21. I mean that that six year stretch was pretty brutal. I mean I gotta be yeah. honest. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, so you know, but I also what I was gonna get at is I don't think the player has to be best friends with the GM to sign a long term extension. Like once you put that offer on the table, assuming the money is what it should be, and it's probably, you know, you're looking at eight years, probably at least eight and a half, nine million a year. Like, it, you know, I don't think Parsons going to be like, oh, no, I, I have no interest in signing that because uh, you let Tory Krug walk. Like, I, I, I'm i sorry. Like, I don't I don't really think 
players can be upset about stuff, but I don't think that that ultimately uh, decides whether they sign an extension or not. Um, uh, did, do you have guys have any any other thoughts on Pasternak? Well, I was just gonna say I agree, and you know, if I'm if I'm Pasternak, like if you're signing a nine year extension or whatever, like then you don't like the GM. Okay, well. Like he's not gonna be there the whole nine years. I'm talking about the GM. No. Like, like you know, yeah. there's gonna be turnover. He so, shouldn't even be here this yeah, year. Yeah, so. you, you're not gonna not sign a long term extension because you don't like the current GM. Like, it's the NHL. These guys, these guys, you know, there's turnover all the time. Um, so yeah, I don't put, I don't, I don't, I don't put much merit into that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and, and, yeah, I mean, if I'm passionate, I certainly don't trust uh, Sweeney. Um, you know, through a rebuild or whatever. But at the same time, like. I don't think Sweeney's going to be the guy during that. I, I think his days, I don't, I'm not going to speculate on it. I, I just don't think he'll be here a couple years from now. I really don't. Well, and yeah, and so for Sweeney, he, right now, I mean, he he lost fans, right, when he got rid of Cassidy. I still have yet to see really anyone saying, oh, good job, Don, for getting rid of Cassidy. Like, And by the way, proof that Cassidy, everyone around the league, thinks highly of Cassidy is the fact that he jumped the coaching ladder and signed with Las Vegas ahead of some of the other good coaches that were, that were out there and available. So Sweeney, I mean, getting a deal done with Pasternak sooner rather than later could buy back people's a little bit of goodwill for Sweeney, I guess. Like, I don't know if he, how much he cares about that. Clearly, um, you know, he's making business decisions and still we we've yet to really hear the full story about, you know, the Cassidy decision at people, People have been speculating that Bergeron had something to do with it. Bergeron said in French, um, which Scott, you know, had to learn French and translate it for us, um, that, you know, he had nothing to do with it. Uh, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't think Bergeron did, but people have, I mean, people's brother's cousins heard at a bar from a guy that was friends with Bergeron that he didn't like, like, it, that's the only like stupid rumors we've been hearing. It hasn't been anything solid that, you know, this was tied to a specific player that didn't like Cassidy or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a specific player. I, th- I think it is clear just because if nothing else has been enough smoke that there was a disconnect between Cassidy and players in general, whether that was the whole team or a section of the team or just the young guys on the roster, which, you know, in turn, I think older guys recognize when there's a disconnect like that. Um, but like, obviously, you know, there was some issue there, like whether it was fireable or not is, is a different debate. Like, again, the same way I said, you know, GMs and players don't have to be best friends. Uh, head coaches and players don't have to be best friends. Um, but, like, obviously that uh, – Cassidy even references during his um, press conference with with us between uh, getting fired and getting hired by Vegas, uh, where he said, like, you know, I think – like, I think any GM should take player feedback into account after a season uh, the same way that that he does. Like, Cassidy talked about how – you know, he'll take player feedback into account when it comes to assistant coaches or trainers or like anything else. Like, yeah, obviously you shouldn't just completely ignore players. And I guess if enough of them were saying like, well, there's this issue and this issue and, um, you know, Bruce handling things this way became a bit of a problem. Like, 
you do have to take that into account. Again, I, I and, without and, knowing everything, I don't know if it rises to the level of, oh, Cassidy needed to go and there was, you know, there's just no hope of making that work go going forward. Well, and that's the kind of stuff that could eventually leak. Like, people will eventually find out about, like, this player or that player, you know, hadn't didn't have a great relationship with Cassidy. Yeah. Sometimes that stuff comes out. Like, I mean, the Jake DeBrusque thing came out eventually, and, you know. Well, and, like, like something to keep an eye on, like, I'll certainly be keeping an eye on, is during this coming season, if, if players and the new coach get along well, you'll – you'll hear comments about like, um, you know, oh, he's, you know, he's really good at communicating this or he's really good at like correcting this mistake. And they won't be he's direct shots at coach. Cassidy. Yeah. They won't be direct shots at Cassidy. They won't even mention Cassidy, but you'll just like, you'll make a mental note of like, oh, okay. Like we didn't really hear players praise that last year type thing. Yeah. Because this new coach is probably going to hand out cotton candy and lollipops to <laughs> and Thomas Nosek when they go six months without scoring a goddamn goal. I don't understand, like, what? Do, how do people? How would anybody else react if you're Bruce Cassidy and you're given a roster of guys that have done it before yeah. and proven it, and they aren't doing jack shit? Obviously, like, you're not going to be thrilled. If you're if you if you're looking down your bench and you, and there and your team's not very, you know, potent offensively, and you're looking down your bench and you see uh, Nick Foligno, who has been in the league for about twelve years and a consistent twenty goal scorer, and all of a sudden he just doesn't know how to play hockey anymore. Like, is that is Bruce Cassidy supposed to give him a, a massage on the bench? It's okay, Nikki. Don't worry about it. You'll get there. You'll get there. Keep driving in that. Keep driving. Well, eventually, guys, it's like, what the fuck? Like, what, what, what am I supposed to do? And so, obviously, you know, the players in return are going to be like, oh, asshole. Like, you know, he, 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 I'm going through a tough slump, and, he, you know, he can't relate to me. It's like, come on, Bruce. No, 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 no. Come on, Nick. Come on, Nosek. Come on, you know, whoever you want to name. Like, give me a break. The player... I, I just don't know what Bruce Cassidy was to do. And, 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 uh, and by the way, in spite of all these struggles from individuals, he got them to a 100-plus point season once again. So I'm sorry if, like, the coach isn't Mr. Popular when a player can't score a goal. for six. Literally, guys, truly, this is not a – I'm not lying. Nick Flynn well, had like... two goals, and they both went off his shin pad or his skate. He didn't, even, <laughs> he didn't even directly score a goal this year. Now, that's from a player who's capable. He's shown his entire career – that he's a 20-goal scorer in the NHL. He did not go from, you know, 35 to, to 85 overnight. Like, he's still capable. Was he snake-bitten? Sure. Is that Bruce's fault? No. But, no, yeah, no, this new guy's going to come in. Jay Leach, you know, he's going to come in and, you know, he's going to make them all feel nice about themselves. Absolutely. Um, you know, David Quinn. Yeah, it's going to be the new guy. I guarantee you, if Jay Leach comes here and Nick Felino scores a goal opening night, that's on Jay Leach. Good, good on He could do something that Bruce couldn't. Well, it's it's like the whole it's like it's parents where you got you got good cop and bad cop. Like if the one has to be the tough parent, and they're like you're going in timeout, and that's Cassidy. He was like Trent Frederick, you're in timeout, and then Jay Leach will come in and be like, no, we can actually go get that ice cream, guys. We're gonna we're and, gonna go. It's like and the 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 opposites. And and fur and furthermore, let me tell you something. Nick Foligno, Trent Frederick, Thomas Nosek. If I'm a head coach, I'm not bending over backwards for these guys. Are these centerpieces? No. Like, what, what do I care if Trent Frederick, it, it, I come down on him. Guys, like, the players play. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, I, I, I say this because I, I acknowledge the players didn't like Bruce. What I'm saying is the players are mad at the wrong person. Like, you're the one that's struggling. He's not skating on your, on your wing with you. Like, you're out there. 
And 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 Bruce gave guys ice time. Like Nick Felino didn't struggle because of lack of ice time. He was given third line minutes to start the year. Like Trent Frederick was given us a, a fair shake. Like the only guy who wasn't, in my opinion, was Stanika. And I don't think he's that good anyway. But like that was a Don Sweeney decision. So I I just I don't. If you take away the logo and the uniforms, I got to be honest. I'm not. I'm not really a fan of of how the team has conducted themselves over the last you know little while here. Like I I don't I don't think that they're drafting and developing players. And and if and if you're not gonna make a player, um, you know put them on the big club, that's fine. But they're not. But but they're they're diminishing any value these these kids out of the draft have for trade. Jack Stanika, if he's not gonna be on the Bruins, that's fine. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, that's not a big deal. But he has. They're, they're they're killing his value. What team's gonna yeah, want him? Yeah, at, at one point in time they had they had listed him as yeah. like an untouchable like guy yeah. that they were developing. Yeah, and, and I just and and I don't like the boys club that's going on between Neely and Sweeney. I, and I I don't I I I just don't think I don't appreciate the way that from a business perspective what happened to Cassie. I think it's bullshit. I think the players. I do think the players threw him under the bus in their exit meetings. Um, I think you have absentee owners who you know you know. The fans clearly care more about their, their team than they do, and Sweeney and Neely. I just take away the logo, take away the uniform. I, if it was a generic team, and I'm looking at it from the outside looking in, I would say they're kind of they're kind of you know a shit show right now. And so I I'm just not a fan of how they're going about things right now. I think they're trying to save face constantly. They're trying to look out for themselves. They're trying to stay competitive so that you know they make the playoffs, but they don't really. It's just all of it. I, I just am kind of over this this team right now, honestly. So I'm actually going to – this is my last episode on the Skate Podcast. Um, uh, hopefully you guys can find a, 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 somebody else to do this with because I'm, uh, I'm just – Was a, it Scott? Was Scott too mean to you, Brian? No, I I don't know. I you just, need a better player's, player's I just, coach. I feel like, I feel like they, they're a very condescending organization. Like they, they, they think people don't see what's really going on, like – I don't know. It's just uh, again one cup in fifty-one years, whatever it's been. Like, so they don't do much right. And the, and the one time they did do right, it's because they did they did it the right way leading up to it. The Bruins from two thousand and three to twenty ten, I would say those those seven years, I think that they did a phenomenal job identifying talent in the draft and bringing them up. So why can't they do that now? I mean, they were competitive in the early two thousands, oh three, oh four. Like they were, you know, it's they weren't always high picks that they were drafting. Again, Bergeron, Krejci, Lucic, all those guys, they were not first-round picks. Marshan was a third-rounder, whatever the hell he was. So, like, it can be done when you're when you're still competitive. Um, so they, yeah, they got to yeah, do a I lot I mean, there were dark days in the, in the mid-2000s, obviously, but it's... Yeah, and, but, I, I but it like, got them to the yeah. way they wanted to be, though, eventually. I feel like we kind of, like, remember that as being longer than it was because, to your point, like, 4 going into the lockout year, like, they were competitive. They had a good team. So you're really only talking about like a two to three year kind of transition before like the next core mm-hmm. kind of stepped up. You know, it's sort of like the mid 2010s, and it's exactly. I, I guess you know, best case scenario is that's kind of what you're looking at. If not now, then you know next year or whenever Bergeron retires. Like you're hoping it's only another one of those yeah. two to three year things, and you don't get stuck as the as the Sabers or the Red mm-hmm. Wings where you're rebuilding for you know over half a decade in the red wings case like a full decade in the sabers case like you just don't want to get stuck in, in right. that world exactly and, and i and, just yeah go ahead bridget uh just 
a thought on the coaching situation, who they're going to bring in. I had had this thought earlier and it, it came back up into my mind when you said, Brian, about the, you know, the boys club between uh, Sweeney and Neely. And they obviously Jay Leach is another option for them to bring in. He was down in Providence for a little. Um, does that like, does that kind of just bring them back to the same situation where they're just bringing in one of their own guys, like one one of the guys that they've, that's already kind of like in their coaching tree, if you would say, like in, in football, when we talk about Belichick's coaching tree, like this isn't, this is somebody that was already in their, their boys club a little bit and, you know, bringing him back in. Do you, do you see that as an issue or, and, and also just who do you think the Bruins best fit would be as of right now um, to bring in for their head coach? Um, I mean, I, I like Jay Leach and by all accounts, I think a lot of people who have been around him do. Um, and I think he did a pretty good job in Providence, you know, didn't, didn't turn any players that came through Providence into, you know, really super high end NHL players. But again, I think that's, I think that's the, drafting like i don't think he was given those kind of players uh what he did do is he had good teams that won and generally his players were at least prepared to play in the nhl like you know i would say very rarely during those you know what four years that he was in providence um did a player come up and you're just like oh wow like this guy's like not even close to being ready for for this level like he looks you know he looks like a high schooler like no like they usually they had the basics down like they knew how to play defense they knew the details of the game um and you know the last season that he was last full season or close to full season that he had in providence uh providence was the best team in the eastern conference in the hl uh going into the COVID pause um and that was also jack stanika's best season there so I think he's done some good things. He has one year of experience on an NHL bench now on obviously a, a not very good team in Seattle. Um, I wouldn't hate that. Like I, I'll say this. I like the idea of someone relatively fresh. I like that more than like one of the retreads who's bounced around. That's not even to like, like obviously Barry Trotz is a good coach. Pete DeBoer is a good coach, but that really wouldn't excite me. Like I like the idea of going with someone who's on either like that first or second opportunity. Um, I like David Quinn personally. He reportedly interviewed. Oh, really? Really? You might be a little biased though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, (laughs) like I'll just be honest. Like I covered a lot of his games at BU and uh, I always enjoyed talking to him and felt like I learned a lot from him. Um, I also feel like he didn't get a fair shake with the Rangers. So like people uh, who are, I would say yes and no. Like he, it stinks that obviously he got fired just as the team was kind of ready to take the next step. Like he, he helped develop some of those young players who are part of that core now. Like he, you know, he was there for Adam Fox's Norris Trophy season. Yeah. Um, he, you know, helped Ryan Lindgren become a, a top pairing defenseman. He helped Kendra Miller become, uh, you know, an NHL top four defenseman. And that's that's his strength, uh, as much as anything is defense. That's his background. Uh, those are the guys he's worked with the most. You look at you know Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick came out of his time at BU. If you go back to even when he was an assistant at BU, he had Kevin Shattenkirk there in '09. Like um, that's his strength. Uh, 
you know, the other aspects of his time with the Rangers, I think are fair to criticize. Like he, they didn't make the playoffs in his three years. Uh, they made the play in tournament in the 2020 bubble, um, got knocked out in, I think like three games. Um, so, you know, like that's fair. He couldn't quite get the team to come together and, you know, really start winning. And it doesn't look great that the first season he's gone, they get to the Eastern conference finals. Um, so there's, there's pros and cons there. Um, you know, other names that we've seen come up, Jim Montgomery, Joe Sacco, Spencer Carberry. I, I am personally like on the, the side of others who believe that Sacco is not really a serious candidate. I think they gave him an interview because they like him personally, but I think they probably know he's, you know, probably like a fresh start and like a real just kind of complete change from this coaching staff is probably better. Um, Carberry is very interesting. Another guy who has not been an NHL head coach, but uh, has done good stuff in the AHL. He was an assistant in Providence for one year. He ran the Maple Leafs power play this year, which by the way, was the best power play in the NHL. Um, Jim Montgomery is, he's had success just about everywhere he's gone. Uh, unfortunately had personal demons he was dealing with in Dallas that led to his firing. Um, you know, he's, he's opened up about, he's talked about, uh, he had an alcohol addiction that he needed to get help for. Um, it seems like he has passed that and, and in a good place. Now he's getting interviews from multiple teams. Um, so I, I think that they can find some, they can make a good hire out of this group. Like, I'm I'm glad it's not just retreads. Uh, I would say this this group probably excites me a little more than that would have. Yeah, I second yeah, that. Yeah, I kind of I kind of lean myself towards the like David Quinn just a little bit. To, that's that's who I'm leaning towards right now. Is who I think would be a good fit for the team. Um, Jay Leach would be second, uh, but. I, and they're close, right? They're both they're both good options, but I just lean a little bit further, David Quinn. I, I yeah, I don't really have a, a big horse in the race. Um, I, I really don't care. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure they're all gonna be you know, good coaches and relatable and, and whatever. But um, I I just can't help but shake the 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 distraction that is you know the coaching change like you know let's let's all let's all focus on who the new coach is and see how he does um rather than you know the roster that's being given to him not, my my focus is still there i mean i you know you had in my opinion a, a top 5 nhl coach on this team last year with this roster and he couldn't get them past the first round and if he did get them past the first round i don't see him getting past you know maybe it depends they could have gotten by the rangers but regardless um yeah, I just uh, I I'm more so focused on 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 where the roster is going and um and how and and I don't want them to do much honestly. I want them to, you know, I want I want a steen a bleed, um somebody like that to come in and you know replace a, um, a Felino or a, a Nosek or whatever. And I want I want Lysel to come up, and you know if they can find you know Bergeron and maybe Krejci on 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 cheap money, then fine. But I'd rather just see this team. Not I don't want to see them spend much this year. I want to I want to see them buy buy out. I want to I don't want to see them spend much money at all. Uh, let some let some young talent come on. Because guys, again, like I said to start the podcast, only one team can win the cup, right? There's 32 teams. 
we don't really think it's Boston next year anyway. So I just wouldn't. I I would just try to. I would try to get you know get, get a little bit of a cleansing, I guess, next this coming season. You know, stay competitive. Trust some of the kids you've developed and drafted. Trust them, right? Why'd you take them if you don't trust them at some point to give them a chance? So give Steen a chance. Give Bleed a chance. Give or actually Bleed might be a free agent, but give um give uh, Lysel a chance. Don't go crazy on the spending and just see where the cards fall. And if you don't win the cup, you and thirty-one other teams don't win the cup. And at least going forward, you're pro- you're, you're you're alleviating some issues going forward. Uh, that's what that's what I want to see this year, and that's regardless of who the coaches. So I'm I'm looking at Sweeney. I, he wants everybody to look at the coaches. I'm looking at him. I'm not following for your charade. I'm not following for your for your 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 car, cardboard on fire in the trash bin over here. It's a distraction. I'm looking at you. I don't care about the new coach. I'm looking at you, Don. That's my that's my two cents. That's my TED talk. <laughs> fair that's enough. My TED talk. It's 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 absolutely fair. Like obviously, whatever they whatever they do with the roster is going to be more important than than the coach. That's kind of yeah. just the way. That's the way it works. And yeah, people people should not give Sweeney a pat. It, like if he mostly stands pat and it's just a new coach, uh, he shouldn't get a pass if if they struggle or they don't get there. Like that's. You can't just change the coach and expect it to completely change your fortunes. It's not even fair to the new coach. Like if you're expecting that, like that's that's not a reasonable expectation to to put on a new coach. Also, it's going to really suck for the new coach to have to pretty much go a whole month without knowing what your actual lineup's going to look like with Marshawn out and Grizzly out and McAvoy out and. It's just it's not going to be the the exact lineup you're going to have to work with the rest of the season, and you're going to find yourself in, in you know not an ideal situation uh, to start out. So I wonder if there's a little bit of a built-in excuse for both the new coach and Sweeney when things aren't working out early on in the season. Nah, Bridget, that's that's literally impossible. Um, I don't know if you caught Neely and Sweeney's you know press conferences after the season, but they want more offense from Clifton and Forbert. That's that's what's, <laughs> that's what's going to drive five on five. So last time I checked. Those guys aren't injured to start the year. Those defensemen are going to be there. So that's the new system that's in place. We want oh, some yeah. more offense from the blue line. Connor Clifton, Derek Forbert. Yep. Um, that's gonna that's gonna work. But that's no. All joking aside, though, that's a, it's another good point. It's like people. I think people over over overlooking the fact that you got a new system in place without some top guys next year. So you know th- that was another reason I was surprised they canned Cassidy because like it, at least if you had some stability with your system. You could all you have to take overcome now is some absences to some key players for a little bit, but now it's the system too. So you know it, it's not going to be an easy easy go next October, um, uh, November for them. So that's all I have, guys. Um, I don't know if you guys had anything else before we go. No, nope. all good. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to episode ninety nine, episode one hundred, the centennial episode of the Skate Podcast, and we're gonna you know, debut our centennial jerseys too, um, like the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens prison break uniforms. Um, probably, yeah, probably next week. Honestly, I mean, we we got the draft coming up and free agency, so um, it's kind of we're kind of slowly getting out of summer mode a little bit because then it's gonna be before you know it. You know, it'll be September. I don't want to jump the gun. Guys, much, the first but... day of summer was three days ago. What do you mean we're getting out of summer mode? They have uh, they have rookie camp the same week the free agency starts. I think July eleventh through fifteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, August August will be August will have a few weeks off again, but July July could be pretty consistent for for uploads, and then uh, September. I, I in particular will have a couple weeks off in August because I'm going to England and Scotland. Ooh. Oh. To, oh, yeah. to visit the, the motherland. 
Well, actually, well, yeah. You're Ireland, Irish, though, aren't you? Ireland would be more. Well, wait, that's, I thought that's why it's called Scotland, no? <laughs> it is, indeed. I guess I guess I gotta look up my history again. What are you watching? Some 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 football? Uh, I will be going to at least one soccer match. Yes. Get a, cool. Yep. I've never been never been over there. Never been to a Manchester City game, so they're my team. Gonna get to one of their games. Great. Well, I can't. Fun. I'm still laughing. <laughs> Scot- Scotland. Still laughing at Scotland. Yeah, you got you got you got you got Storyland, Disneyland, Scotland. Um, <laughs> I'm just yeah. gonna walk into Scotland and be like, "Where are my fellow Scots?" Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna put, you know, he's gonna put a crown on. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, this is obviously a pretty chaotic episode because we literally don't know much about this team this year. I mean, we do, but we don't. So, uh, hopefully, going forward, we'll know more about you know the roster construction, some draft picks, you know, the coach for one. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to this this pinball of an episode, um, and we'll we'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah.